Mike, so so DB Straight Vibin wins at Pebble Beach today, but I don't even think that's the biggest story coming from DB Straight Vibin. I think the biggest story is the Sand Angels, I guess we'll call them, that he he was doing in on like the thirteenth hole. That that was the story of the day for me. Big antics day. I mean, it was a huge content day. Is is what it comes down to. This was a now, sneaky big content week. Yeah, massive for sure. And I think this week showed me that that Daniel Berger is one of the biggest content guys out there. I mean, he is great for the game, sneaky. And, and a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't really think of him as like a, a Bryson or a speed level content guy, but he's right there. He's he's a really good player. I want to get that picture of him watching P. Reed at the Heritage like a hawk framed over my bed. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my all-time favorite golf photos. He's just like, this this guy better not cheat on me. He wasn't yeah. having it. I mean, there's just there's just a lot of good stuff. I I was looking through his Instagram, even the video he just posted like a week ago of him on his boat, just like a highlight reel of him on his boat reminded me of something Bryson would put out, like just one of those <laughs> lifestyle cheesy vids. Yeah, but Berger seems like somebody who's like very self-aware. Berger is indeed self-aware. I think he's more, he's doing it as a joke. Like, you know, it, it's just funny to him. Yeah. Like here's a little, and it's not because of the fact that they go to, um, that they both went to Florida state, but there is a little bit of the Brooks about him where he, he is a little bit of a killer. Oh, he's for sure earned the reputation of a killer now. Like he is, he's stone cold. I mean, everyone out there today, they they didn't really do much down the stretch. Obviously, Lashley with the four putt on That's 16. Sick. Spieth really didn't do much down the stretch. And, and Berger went out and he just he just won the tournament. And, and you know, Maverick McNeely made a late charge, but he was just too far back to start the day and, and too far back going into his back nine. So I mean, props to Berger. Like he really, really went out there and proved that he is one of the top probably seven or eight players in the world. We might need to have a memorial service for Maverick McNeely because uh, the tour officials checked the footage for him and for Russell Knox. Yeah, I, I didn't really keep up with what was going on with the whole rules thing this morning, but I, I heard a little bit about what happened with Knox and that it, it just infuriated me. Uh, <laughs> it just I mean, proves there's so much wrong with the game. Like the whole, you know, it, it the rules should be intent based. Like everything should come down to intent. And the fact that Knox didn't try to move his ball like whatever, a millimeter from where it was is ridiculous that he got a penalty for that. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and the fact that, you know, Reed so obviously was trying to bend the rules and was basically lying in his post-round press conference. The and fact also that he being didn't get a, a penalty is ridiculous. And also being a complete dick to the rules official. Exactly. So it, I'm just – that just pissed me off, but that's been a long, you know, that's been an ongoing thing with the game of golf. Like the the rules are just, there's, there's issues. There's issues. They're completely asinine. They defy logic. And imagine you're a kid, like say you're eight, nine, 10 years old, and you're thinking about taking, taking up golf and you see that bullshit on, on television. Do you, is that something you want to be involved with? No, I exactly. That's, that's the problem. I mean, like to me hovland was a great example of of like what the game of golf really is and how young people perceive it at the farmers when he had to take that drop when he hit it over the green 
it took it took like five minutes for him to take a drop from a hazard, like a, a pretty straightforward drop. But he yeah. was so scared of breaking the rules or like accidentally making a mistake. He had to call an official over. You know, they had to keep placing the ball. They placed the ball like five different times on the spot that he dropped it on. It's just it's ridiculous. It like place the ball, move on. Just like if it rolls back, who cares? It doesn't matter. Place it. If it rolls no closer, then play it. Like it doesn't need to be as complex as it is. And I think guys also know that the camera's on them. So it makes them even more scared to violate procedure or violate any rules that they may not have in the back of their mind. And it's just just makes the game so much slower and it makes makes everybody look really goofy. Yeah. And to, to be fair to the players, like most of the guys out there are very honest and upfront about, you know, what's going on when, when they have a, a rules debacle, like, you know, they're, they're very honest and they're trying not, they're trying their best not to break the rules. Right. They they have good intentions, but the fact that they're so scared of a one or two shot penalty for any like minor infraction just makes every rules debacle go on longer than it should. Oh yeah. And it just, it just makes everything so much slower. And then, and then we bitch them up. It's, it's a never ending vicious cycle. So storylines for this week, uh, can we talk about speed? I think speed's, speed's the big one again. Okay. Another, another seemingly solid week for speed, but so, there's definitely so we, some underlying things here. So before we get into speed, we have to acknowledge that we couldn't get an episode out last week. Life got in the way for everybody, and also we had some horrific computer issues on my really end, bad so technical difficulties. It so was, was a mistake on our part. The witching hour has never been witchier. Yeah. It was it was a tough scene. So I think our takes on Jordan will kind of encompass both weeks. Yeah, I think we should do we should do a, a inclusive of last week. So I think this week. So obviously he hasn't put together four great like four consistently great rounds together. Last last week on Sunday he did nothing. Same same with today, but I think that there's been steady improvement or clear improvements that you could see from week one to week two, specifically with his driving. Yeah, definitely. I mean, last week was, dude, last week was atrocious off the tee. I mean, some of these smother hooks that he was hitting were out of control. This smother week, hooks, it was like, big blocks. This week, it was like queefy little fades off the tee when he missed. Like for the <laughs> most part, it, you know, everything was like, it was like 265 carry in the right rough when he missed. And, and Still, the he, queefy fade's not a fun fun shot to hit it's not but i think it's the most playable miss that's true we have a friend that is big for that is a big time queefy miss guy <laughs> i i actually hit a lot of lot of queefy fades on no on you the you're just a big you're a big blocker big chicken wing yeah when i miss it usually goes right but you know jordan i mean jordan's got the chicken wing too and and his miss is he's had the two-way miss for the, for the longest time this week, it was a one-way miss for the most part. Like he was just missing. Right. And for the most part, he drove it pretty straight from what I could tell. Yeah. And his iron play was still there. Like his iron play was, was cash from picked up right where he left off last week. So that was really encouraging to see him keep it going two weeks in a row. I felt like he had full control of trajectory of which way he was curving the ball and his, Iron play and wedge play out of the rough, which is what has made him great in the past, 
was fantastic this week. I think he had a quote on Saturday where he basically said, golf's never easy with me, which is very true. We watch it every time, even at his best in 2015. Golf was still stressful to watch when it comes to Jordan Spieth because it it could go it could go anywhere. The round could go in any direction whatsoever. But there's less, at least with this week, there was less volatility. The the misses were not as dramatic and his rounds just seemed more in control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the reason that his rounds kind of looked out of control for three, four years was just because of his driver really. And when he's driving it, okay, his iron play and his short game and his putter are going to make up for it. So he doesn't but, need to drive it. He doesn't need to be a top 50 driver in strokes canned off the tee. He just needs to be like tour average. And that's the recipe on the PGA Tour. You need to be an above average driver when it comes to length. And same with accuracy. You can be an average, you can be averagely straight. But if you're an exceptional iron player, you are going to succeed on the PGA Tour. And yeah, and the driving is the final piece in the puzzle when it comes to Jordan's golf swing right now. Yeah. Who do we want to talk about next? We talked a little bit about Berger. Want to talk about a little bit about Patrick Cantley? I mean, I kind of want to talk about Berger. Like, dude, watching Berger play golf is so much fun. Like, you really have no idea what shot he's going to hit at any moment. Like, he, I mean, he hit some shots this week that I was like, wow, that was impressive. Just, like, these low, like, forehand stingers with, like, three and four irons, keeping it out in the wind on Saturday. Sneaky saucy from about 80 yards and in. He's really, really sick with his wedges, like has full control of what the ball's doing. And then like watching him at drivers, it, it to me it feels like a roulette wheel, but he drives it pretty well. Like he drives it straight and he actually hits it long. But his swing oh, is so yeah, his swing is so outrageous. I have no idea how he does it. Like, I really don't know how he's that consistent because it looks like every swing is a little bit different. I gotta say something about his swing. I sneaky love it. It's sick. It, it's pretty sick that he makes that work. And is it's such an because it's such an athletic move. He's so laid off that technically the shaft can really only steepen from the top. And his wrist is so bowed that he has to rotate the shit out of it. It's a really athletic golf swing. Yeah, I, I will give CBS credit this weekend. They actually did make some good comparisons. They were saying it's very similar to like a, a forehand in tennis. Like apparently he was a good tennis player when he was younger. Yeah, I was about and, to say, wasn't his dad a pro or something like and that? I think his dad was a professional tennis player. It, you can actually see the re- the resemblance. I mean, if, if you look closely, like with how laid off it is and just the way he comes through the ball, like the way he finishes kind of low and then the super laid off and low finish is is really really cool and, and definitely resembles, you know, a, a, a tennis swing and it, it's super athletic, like you were saying. I love it when golf swings resemble, um, resemble a golf swing that the player has from a different sport. Like if that makes any sense, I know yeah. I phrase that really poorly. Like remember no, no, Graham no, Dillette? What you're saying. Remember Graham Dillette's swing? His swing was a slap shot. Like you could tell he was a hockey player. Yeah, you know, I don't remember his swing very well, but I'll take your word for it. But I, you, I you mean, can kind of see it with you can kind of see it a little bit with Brooks. Like Brooks kind of, you know, he's got the baseball player build, obviously, but he's got like any baseball player 
most likely has a chicken wing in their golf swing. And that's, you see that with speed, like speed was a good see, with you, you were a good baseball. You see that with, you see that with me. I was a baseball player until I was 17. So you see that with a lot of, a lot of guys, the resemblance is there and it's amazing how they can work around, you know, not being technically perfect and use their athleticism to make up for that. Yeah, true. I saw a really funny tweet. I don't know if it was this week. It might've been last week when he won about Brooks's build. This guy was getting really pissed off about how everybody says Brooks looks like a linebacker. And someone was like, yeah, he would look like a linebacker on a JV high school team in Texas. He doesn't yeah. look like an actual <laughs> NFL linebacker. And yeah. It cracked me up. Um, that is true. I mean, Brooks is not, I mean, he's one of the bigger guys in the game of golf, but he's not that big. Like he's, he's a little really pudgy. Not. He's a little pudgy. He he's not running a four or five. I'll say that. No, he's, you know, he's no, no one's running a four or five on the PGA tour. Not even DJ. No. God. Oh who, man. Who who would do the best in a combine on the PGA tour? Not Bryson. Bryson's moving too much mass. He, what do you he, think Bryson's what do you think Bryson's 40 yard dash would be? A five, five one, five two, probably. It'd be a tough scene. It'd be a tough scene. Who do you think the fastest guy on the PGA Tour is? That's a good question. I don't know. It, it's like tough Rory, to say. I feel like Rory might have some speed. Probably. He, I mean, he's pretty explosive in his golf swing. I feel like Rory, I feel like DJ would probably be pretty fast. He's a great athlete. But I, it's I think interesting he, to think about who would be – who would be great in other sports in professional golf? Because I think DJ would half-ass the 40-yard dash. He'd just be like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. He just now, he would show up. He'd, you know, he'd, he'd kill the, the appearance vertical, fee. and he'd collect his appearance fee, and he'd, he'd be out of there. Right. Shout out the uh, economic city. Oh, my gosh. Did you – oh, did you see the freaking uh, Saudi Arabia commercials with Jack Nicklaus this week on Golf Channel? No. I was folding – I was folding clothes yesterday. I did laundry late at night and I was watching golf central and on, on my TV comes, they're building some brand new state of the art oh, city in Saudi I Arabia. Did see this. And then, and Nicholas is, he's the architect, right? Just the biggest cash grab on planet earth. It's so yeah. shameless. I was, it, that's, I mean, it makes you lose a little bit of respect for Nicholas and I'm a big no, Nicholas it makes guy. Me, it makes me lose respect for golf channel because they're now in bed with Saudi Arabia too. That's also like, true. Yeah. It's just a lot of bad, a lot of bad hombres in Saudi Arabia. We don't yeah. need to get into it. You can just look it up yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how they're making a footprint in the game of golf now and it's growing. I heard that at the course and that they play the European tour event, there's like, you can count the amount of members on that at that golf course on two hands yeah i bet there's like 10 it's like 10 members there and the course is like never touched yeah it's probably one of the most exclusive clubs in saudi arabia and it's probably never played like you know because of that yeah it's just it's just 18 separate fields is essentially what it is (laughs) yeah yeah when you look at that course aerially it just looks it's dissected i mean it's just not like a it doesn't flow like a golf course when you play, that's so true. That's the that's the case with any desert golf course. But when you play like one of those super exclusive golf clubs and you're like the only person out there and there's no divots, 
it's kind of jarring. It's like, what do you, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to behave myself. It's a little eerie for sure. Like, it's like I can't not, say I've really played any of those, but I could imagine that it would be very, very eerie. Yeah, I had a round at San Francisco Golf Club with my dad and I, and and we played like the front nine in an hour, and we're just like, what do we do? Are we? I felt like we were going too fast. Yeah. Uh, it yeah, it's really definitely weird. it's change of pace from from playing, you know, four hour rounds where you're stuck behind everyone. So. The golf didn't excite me too, too much. It also doesn't help by the fact that I didn't really get to watch too much golf on the weekend, but yeah, Sun I mean, Kang, was- Sun Kang and Joel Damon really spiced up my weekend. Yeah. I mean, the golf was, the golf was good. Like it was good. And, but the, the, the big thing was the storylines that came out of this week. And one big of them week was, from mother nature. Yeah. One of them was, one of them was Sun Kang and Joel Damon. I mean, if, if you don't know the history of Sun Kang and Joel Damon, I would definitely suggest looking it up, but basically fireworks. Yeah. Basically a couple of years ago, uh, Sun Kang at the Quicken loans was playing with Joel Damon and Kang quack hooked his second shot into a par five. It was a par four or par five into the water, into a hazard. And Kang tried to take a drop like way up by the green and Damon insisted Suspect that it crossed it. Yeah. It, Damon insisted that it crossed like a hundred yards back or 150 yards back. And you can look it up on shot link. It definitely crossed 150 <laughs> yards back. There's no way this ball could have where it ended up could have crossed, you know, near the green. So I forgot about the shot link. It's awesome. And, and I feel like Joel Damon, he's not a guy that's out there like, to, to get people to protect the field. Like he's, he's going to protect the field when he sees something that's wrong. And that was egregiously wrong. So basically uh, Damon tweeted out last night, a picture of a text message that he got from the PGA tour with his pairing for today. It was him, Sung Kang and CT pan. And it was just an emoji, like the shocked emoji. It was gold. Eyes wide open, just like, ooh. That's the, it's that emoji. Mike, did you see what Gino Benali said? Yeah, so Gino is, is a Joel Damon's caddy. And I'll pull the picture up right now. Sung Kang just comes in with the quote of the year, turns to Joel Damon and says, quote, my friends told me I should push you off a cliff, which was very possible because I started on the 10th tee today. Yeah, that's, that's about a 150-foot drop, I'd say. It, it'd probably kill you. Yeah, I mean, for sure. it for sure kill you. It was your fault so, to your death. Yeah, I mean, bold of Sun Kang to come out and say that. I respect I, I respect it, honestly, coming up front and, like, kind of breaking the ice and saying that. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, dude, you definitely, che- like, attempted to cheat. And uh, that's really it. Like, why? You can't be mad at this guy for protecting the field. But here's the thing. Saying I should push you off a cliff is the second best way you could have dressed Joel Damon other than apologizing for what you did. Yeah. <laughs> At least, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a funny comment that just breaks the ice a little bit for the rest of the day and makes it, you know, gets rid of the elephant in the room for sure. I mean, no better way to acknowledge it. At least if you're, if you're not going to apologize, you might as well double down. Don't, don't just leave the elephant in the room. That's my take on it. Yeah. You think CT Pan would be good at diffusing tension? 
I don't think he'd stop a fight. I don't think so. I mean, he's probably the last guy on the PGA Tour I would pick to stop a fight. Yeah, he, he's got some bystander energy. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's kind of an unassuming, go about his business guy. He wears those sick like aviators, you know. He's just kind of <laughs> goes out there, he plays his golf. He'll show up once or twice a year, and he'll probably contend or maybe win every couple of years. But Chris and I were texting about CT Pan yesterday. We kind of love him, and we don't know how to explain it. But there's something about it, the pan, the pan man that the pan man. He's definitely got some swagger. I mean, he. Siwoo Kim, Kim and the Pan Man are kind of in the same boat for me. No, see, no, Siwoo is on because they both have no, they both have like a little bit of swagger, but not like a whole lot of swagger. And they're not like outspoken, you know, like a guy like DJ is like a guy with a ton of swagger, and you can see it all the time. CT and Siwoo are just underrated swagger, I think. I think Siwoo is on a completely different level to CT Pan because I think he has so much swagger, yet he doesn't really know how much he actually has. Like that that stinger that he hit on six on either Thursday or Friday with the driver, unbelievable. That was one yeah. of the sauciest shots I've ever seen in my entire life. It's probably life. a top five stinger in PGA Tour history. And you could make an argument it's it's maybe the best. Yeah, it was, it was outrageous. I'm looking at the OWGR right now. Berger only moved up two spots in in the ranking. I don't think it'll be updated until tomorrow. No, I, I'm looking at it right now. It says week of February 14th. That's surprising. So what Listen, is he now? 11th, 13th. No, dude. He he's. I guarantee you, it'll update tomorrow. I. I swear he was. I'm on it right now. I I will send you a screenshot right now. I'm calling your bluff. Wow that that is so disrespectful. <laughs> uh, can can we talk about Molinari just stone cold topping one? Okay, so one it was sick. Just yeah, I, 13, I love thirteen the shot yard carry on it. <laughs> no, my favorite part was you know how it has the carry and. The, the ball speed in the top yeah. right corner. Carry 13 yards. That's sick. sick. Really sick. It didn't even get past the ladies' tees. Do you think yeah, he played I, this, did he play his second shot with his pants down? <laughs> I, I honestly hope so. Like I mean, well, we the, all know the tour would have PGA... protected him. They wouldn't have broadcasted that. No, they would this is what they've been doing as of late. They tweet it and then take it down after about 12 hours because it's a player run organization and state run media has to intervene. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm stunned that the uh, Nate Lashley basically creating a crater in the green is still up. Yeah. Not a good look for Lashley. Cause you know, he's, was... he's an easy story to root for. Like everyone could have gotten behind him if he ended up winning this week, kind of would have been a boring storyline, but you know, like obviously because we had Spieth and, and Berger and Cantlay, like some of the big dogs up there. But Lashley, with all that he's been through, you know, spent whatever, 15 years on the mini tours, his was a real estate like, agent. His parents his girlfriend. and girlfriend died in the same plane crash. That, like this guy has a been great through the story. Yeah, he's been through the ringer. And for him to kind of go out and, and you know, like destroy the golf course a little bit on, on 16 green there. Like obviously a tough scene for putting, but 
you know, out of a PGA tour pro, you expect a little bit more. And I, I, that's coming from a guy that's, that's been like, I've had issues with like anger, not, I don't destroy the golf course, but like, but this, this podcast is being hosted by two golfers that can be classified as angry. Yeah, definitely. Would we would qualify for the angry golfers treatment on the European tour. Oh, absolutely. Like I would, absolutely take the club breaking class with Henrik Stenson. Yeah. You go, you're more into like the, the physical, like club break club slam kind of thing. I'm more of like a psychological, like I just go dead silent for like five you go, holes at a time. You get dead like silent three holes. And then you mentally beat yourself up and then you make a birdie and then you're back to normal. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. I like I'm out of it for like, it, it, it can be like, you know, maybe I three putt the hole before and then I make birdie on the next hole and I'm right back. Or it it's could like be like the, a it could be like a three or four hole stretch where I'm just like out of it. It's like those commercials where they tell you to eat a Snickers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could use I could use the Snickers treatment. You could definitely course. use Snickers. Um, but what pissed me off most about that Lashley thing was he know he know obviously you know what you did when you do something like that. But he kind of stared at it for like five seconds and he just walked away. Yeah, I think he regretted it immediately. Like he looked, he looked back because he looked back to see what he did, like the imprint that he made on the green. And then he kind of played it off as like he was looking at the putt, looking at the green, like, you know, kind of perplexed on how that putt, that first putt didn't break or whatever. Bad look for Lashley, though. Like, in, I think he, he, had a, he had a staring contest with it, basically. Yeah. And he was still pissed off like two holes later on the 18th hole. You could tell he was still mad. Well, I mean, that hole essentially took him out of the entire tournament. Yeah. But if you're Lashley, you got to take that as a solid week. Like, I mean, I can't remember the last time he played well last week, I think, or maybe the week before. I think he's been playing some okay golf. Yeah. I can't remember the last time he really had a chance to win, like since Rocket Mortgage. So I don't know how you can be that mad. Like, it, it, honestly, I thought the first putt he hit was a good putt. Like he hit that right on line and it just didn't break. Like Poana late in the day, especially, you know, at, at Pebble, it's known to get bumpy. You can't get that frustrated on those greens. You're going to miss some, some putts. The only upside of this entire sequence is that he gave us some memeable content. For sure. Like now, I think, this... I think he's hereby known as Snickers. All right. So give us... <laughs> Give us maybe two days for this entire video to end up on our TikTok. We'll figure <laughs> out a way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Shout out Chili Dip Pod TikTok. Stay tuned, folks. Um, God, Paul Casey, T5. It's he is the, the most quintess- Paul Casey thing. He is the quintessential do-nothing-for-me guy on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean... I've heard he's a good guy. Like, you know, he's from some yeah, accounts. He's a good guy. Some guy, some accounts. He's like, a, he's just an okay guy. I think he's a good guy from what I can tell. Hey, from, remember, really the PGA you, tour tells us that everybody's a good guy. Yeah. They, they tell yeah, us Pat Patrick Reed's a good guy. Great guy. Um, it's difficult to tell. I think, I think Paul Casey's a good guy, but yeah, he's not moving the needle. And Mike, I think you could make a case that, I think Daniel Berger's starting to move the needle for me. Like I, he's a guy that I'm, you know, I've always liked him, but he's actually a guy that I'm starting to pull for now because I think his antics are funny. 
like him falling over in the bunker and everything. And he's the guy that's moving the needle a little bit for me. And Paul Casey's just not doing it. Uh, Paul Casey will never do it for me. Him just, I saw a great thing that um, it's like an old golf.com article, you know, where they ask tour tour players questions anonymously, like off the record, I think it's called court tour confidential. I think one of the questions, I think I vaguely remember it. Yeah. I think one of the questions was who was, who would be better? Who would be better? Or who would be worse if they didn't have a caddy on tour? And someone said, if Paul Casey didn't have his caddy, he'd be a web.com player, <laughs> which, is, which is just such a great detonation of a player. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's all that's always stuck with me. Where do you think Spieth would be without Greller? <laughs> Tron Carter on Twitter said Greller's back, but is Spieth back? <laughs> I think Greller's fully back. Greller is definitely back. Although I was disappointed today. We got a really, really good uh, conversation that the mics picked up on the 14th hole. I, the 14, 14th is the par five, right? I heard Greller got shut down again today. Yeah. So on 14, the par five, Spieth had like 115, 120 yards out of the fairway, out of a divot. And okay. It was into the wind a little off the left with a front left pin location. And all the guys all day had been playing it past the hole and ripping it off the slope, you know, back towards the hole, like kind of playing it long and right. Mm -hmm. And Greller tries to convince, he's like, you got, you you should hit the extra club. I think you want to, you want to make sure you get it there. And then, you know, if you spin it back at all, it's a bonus. Speed says he's got adrenaline going. And he takes oh, takes no. the lesser club, takes the lesser club. He he yanks it first of all and comes oh, up like no, comes up like probably twenty five feet short of the stick, and it ends up kicking off the side of the bunker down the hill, and he ended up making six. So yeah, Greller Greller's back. Speed, he's not listening to him. So listen, I will. If anybody asks us whether Speed's back, he's absolutely trending i think he will win this year but he will not be officially back until he wins that's yeah. bottom line i think that's the chili dip consensus i agree i think i think there's a little bit of a trend of him just being a little bit nervy in the final round here like the last couple of weeks he's he's not playing as freely as he has been in the previous three rounds so like you can you can tell a little bit uh, and he's not making putts in the final round. He hasn't made really anything. So I think, well, what I noticed this week was, and maybe it was just because the field was weaker and the fact that it was the second week in the row, oh, sorry, I accidentally hit my microphone. Um, is that it, did, it didn't seem like as much media buzz that Spieth was in the lead as opposed to last week when Definitely. he was tied for the lead. It's just like, it almost feels like we're going back to normal. Yeah, it, it definitely feels a little bit normal. I also think that has to do with Spieth having such an insanely good track record at Pebble. Like, this could just be, like, a home game for him. You know, he, he feels comfortable here. I think last week was, you know, that's not really a golf course that he's played particularly well at, from what I can remember. Last week I don't think he's more, even played – I don't think he's even played that much at, at, uh, at Scottsdale. Yeah. And, and it's not a golf course that really suits him that well, I don't think. No, it's not so, a uh, it's not a scrambler's paradise or a you know complete second shot golf course. No, Pebbles is a second shot golf course. 
yeah, which is why he plays so well there. So last week was more telling of how good his iron play and how good the rest of his game is. This week, you know, it, it could just be a little bit fluky because he loves Pebbles so much. This just crossed my mind. I think he's going to do really well at TCC next year. Yeah, there's a lot of resemblance. There's a I th- lot. I of think that course kind of sets up perfectly for him. It's a it complete. Does. It's an. It's a ball striker's paradise when it comes to iron play, and it's a complete second shot golf course. If you miss, and all you have to do is miss on the the correct side of the golf, on the correct side of the green, because otherwise, sometimes those greens are so small that it's just competition of getting up and down. Yeah, and that's really. And- and that's kind of the case with every U.S. Open, really. Everybody says that the U.S. Open is a ball striker tournament. No, it's more a scrambling tournament than anything. I feel like it, it, you know, it's an it's an iron play and scrambling tournament. And and for those listeners that don't know what TCC is, that's Brookline, as it's more commonly known, where the U.S. Open is going to be held next year. I really do like his chances there. If he if he's hitting his irons this good and his scrambling is as good as it's been, like his scrambling has been otherworldly the last two weeks they put a stat up on cbs today he's like 82 percent on scrambling yeah um yeah tcc is very much massachusetts speak um but i saw a good tweet and i actually really agree with this and i was thinking about this earlier is 14 at pebble like the one true par five that's left on the pga tour there's there definitely are more like but this is like a like true three, like true like three this is a true three shot like risk reward because like guys get three. there in two like in the u.s open uh last year woodland woodland hit that three wood you know over but, the back of the green like you can get but there. woodland's three wood felt like a miracle remember that you know oftentimes there's guys who hit the green too and it's just like oh he he hit it in two and it's kind of par for the course maybe you know one you know five guys hit it in a day but this one feels like the majority of the field are having a wedge in for the third shot not a lot of people yeah. are going for this green and i you know it's another it helps, that it obviously helps with that massive bunker in front shout out to nicholas design yeah no that that is a great bunker um that i can't remember which hole number it is at tpc boston maybe it's it's seven i think seven at tpc boston is pretty much unreachable from what yeah. i remember it's, it's like, like 640 uphill. it's like 640 you know a little bit no, uphill, i don't think it's that long. Right. i think it's like i think it's like 600 uphill like i mean i remember all... last time i played there i smashed a drive from the tournament tees and i had like 280 or 285 which is and we're all we're all long everybody yeah. on the chili dip including chris who's not with us today he's probably chris is probably the longest i'd say i'm probably the second longest no i think you're no you're longer than chris chris has been blowing it by me recently he's he's working out and he's i'm not and i'm a little bit i'm I'm injured too so i'm not hitting it quite as far as i normally do but yeah i mean if i was if i was on the pga tour to be honest i'd probably be in the top like 30 or 40 percent in driving distance we all so I, we all hit yeah. it like 300 if i can't get there in two then most of the guys on the tour wouldn't be able to get there in two yeah absolutely at, at, at tpc on that one hole but, yeah i mean there's obviously some some other holes that you know if the conditions aren't aren't great then guys aren't really reaching in two but i do agree with you i think 14 at pebble is a really really challenging three shot par five 
Yeah, it's a it's one of the very few three shotters on the PGA Tour. I can't think of one other than maybe the one that you just mentioned at TPC Boston that really pops into my head. I think that I think the elevated green has a lot to do with that uh, at on 14 at, at Pebble. I think elevated greens on par fives just make them so much more difficult because you, when you're coming in with a long club, coming in at a low angle, especially with how long that hole is, it just makes it that much more difficult and that much more penal. If you miss like, you know, really far left or right, you're probably pitching uphill, probably pitching blind. And if you lay up, then it's tough to judge the distance going uphill, you know, to a blind shot. I think it makes it a lot more difficult and makes it more of a par five. And that green is, well, every green at Pebble is really, really, really small, but you have that massive false front. It falls off on the left. You probably have half of it. You can really feasibly throw a pin on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough par five. It's definitely one of the toughest par fives on the tour. All right. Actually, I think they, they did say, I think it was the number one par five in stroke average uh, last year on the PGA tour. So that makes point sense. proven. Um, Cantlay, you wanted to talk a little bit about Cantlay. You know, we got the fireworks round one. He shot 10 under 62 tying a course record at Pebble. And then it was kind of, kind of a break check the rest of the way. Yeah. In. Especially Saturday. Saturday didn't make a thing. <sighs> Yeah, even Friday, dude, he shot, I think he shot one over on Friday at, at Spyglass, which obviously is the harder of the two or played the harder of the two. Uh, but disappointing, kind of, I thought he was going to run away with the tournament, to be honest, after that 62. And that's obviously like kind of in the moment. You're like, oh my God, this guy's firing on all cylinders. But Cantlay really has proven that he is a, a guy that can go out there and run away with the tournament and go crazy low. Well, he goes subterranean low on the final round, and that's how he wins all of his tournaments. I don't think he's ever – has he ever held a 54-hole lead? He definitely has, but I don't know if he's ever won with a 54-hole lead. Because all of his leads – all of his wins have been come from behind, and where he's gone low, he shot, what, like 66 at Zozo, 64 at Memorial. Like, he has the tendency to, to come – come from behind and just steal it. That's yeah. the way he wins. And what's most impressive too about those rounds is that he doesn't falter once he realizes he's in the lead. Like, you know, he gets in the lead on those back nines and then he keeps making birdies. He keeps going low, which is hard to do. Like when you're, if you've ever been like six under in a round or seven under coming in with your last couple holes, it's like scary. Like even when you're playing for nothing, it's, it's so it's like, oh my hard. God, I don't want to mess up here. Like it, you know, it's, it's tough to convince, convince yourself to go lower and he just keeps going low. Yeah. So like for guys like us, like once we get to like four under, that's when we just like start dissociating from ourselves and we're just like, <laughs> Oh shit. Like I'm four under you. There's it's almost physically impossible to not think ahead yeah it's oh, just like, you, you totally start planning out your round and even oh absolutely i mean you're like oh you know i'm gonna par these two holes and i got a par five gonna make birdie there then par 16 17 and maybe birdie 18 and get in at six seven under it never works out well it never it works out well. never yeah you get you get so out ahead over your skis and then you maybe at least with me 
you like quack hook one and then it just feels like your words world is just completely crumbling yeah yeah i had a round like that last summer i was six under through 13 it was oh blowing, my god it, it was blowing like 30 the whole day blowing legit 30 course is not super hard it's like 6700 yards if you've ever played captain's starboard course mike but i was freaking out oh like, on the cape yeah yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah so i was six under through 14 i made a bogey on the second hole too i was like oh this, this is gonna be a tough day and or through 13 and and i just went crazy low after that and oh, uh you got was freaking out was freaking out on the on 14 <laughs> never been i've never been six under and uh I ended up shooting like three under. I, I made three bogeys in a row, 14, 15, 16, and ended up shooting three under. But it's it's weird it. because when you make those three birdie, those three bogeys, bogeys, excuse me, it's just like, okay, this is more comfortable. Yeah, it's almost like a relief, like a weight off your shoulders. It's like, it's like oh, putting a pair I'm of three under. Three under is fine. Like I can play from there, but six It's like under. putting a pair of sweatpants on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a little... <laughs> I it's remember like a, like a pair of boxer briefs that are too tight. You're just a little on edge. So I, I have a story like this too. So in the the club championship last year or two years, two years ago, I was even through 16 or one over through 16. And the year before I got the yips, like oh, nobody yeah. has ever had before. The notorious I shot, yips. I shot out in a hundred. I kid you not. It's, it, and he in, signed the card, folks. He signed, signed the card. It's it's in the, the annals of Braeburn Country Club Club Championship history. If you, it is in the history books. Um, <laughs> one of the toughest things I ever had to do. I'm not going to lie, but I mean that's that was, respect though for signing the card. I was would do that. I think I was one over through 15 or 16, and so I was one over through 16. So on 16, it started to started to rain for about 10 minutes, and it started gusting like 40 into our face, and. And Chris was on 10, uh, 10 and 16 are adjacent our home club. And we turned to each other. He's like, and I'm like, what are you? He's like, I'm plus one. He's like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm also plus one. He's like, get the fuck out. And so I'm starting <laughs> to think now. So I probably dink this drive. Maybe I think this drive probably went about 220. And I hit this stinger four iron. I flush it. I have about 80 yards left. And I hit oh it to God. like hit it like to like 40 feet and it's that front right pin location. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah. Drain the 40 footer. Oh <laughs> this thing my was, God. This thing <laughs> was going off the green and my playing partner literally turns to me. He goes, you fucking kidding me. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the luckiest putt on just, planet just earth. Just having a day. Steve How'd you finish out of curiosity? 17, 18. Uh, double bogey. Sick. Yeah. I mean, that's classic. 17 is really hard. Uh, yeah. Usually so ruins I, most good rounds. No, I had a sick three putt on 17 and I nuked this drive on, I nuked this drive on 18. I was, cause I was fuming that I three putted cause I was playing so well. I'm like, no three putts, no doubles. Like that was my goal out the window. So I was pissed and I stepped on this drive and then I nearly shanked my second shot <laughs> and, yeah. and made, it couldn't get up and down. <laughs> it's just really, really getting it in the barn there, Mike. It was, it was the most depressing 76 on planet earth. That's just, a great comeback though. hundred to 76, 24 shot difference. Yeah. That's pretty sick. That's uh, that is a big difference. Just looking at other storylines here. Cam Davis T 14 
little better than mediocre, Chris. So uh, keep an eye on him. <laughs> he's playing some good golf right now. Really is. You know who's playing, really you know playing some sneaky good golf as Cameron Tringali. Dude, I was going to say that. Cameron like, Tringali. haven't seen Tringali in like at least four years, I feel like. I mean, he's a big he, – he might make my parlay next week. <laughs> I mean – he's sneaky 109 in the world like he's climbing you're right wow that's really 43rd in the fedex cup can we talk about uh can we talk about matt every withdrawing again just just because this warms my heart so story that's another story of the week uh i picked matchups last week for the episode that didn't end up on the air because mike choked and my computer choked i didn't no no mike choked and so I picked the group, matchups. Group chat was tough. Yeah, it there was there was some lighting up going on there. I mean, I mean, I earned it. Definitely I'm not, some tension in the group chat. Oh my god, I felt I felt so bad, but then I felt like I was getting attacked. I almost I almost like fired back at you guys, but I'm like, no, 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 I can't. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we shouldn't have gone off like that, but we were. Uh, no, we were I pretty- totally earned it, but I was. This had to be at like nine in the morning. I was grumpy. It was in the middle of class. I haven't finished my cup of coffee and I'm not a morning person. And I, I'm reading and I swear to God, this chat was like, you know, this can't happen again. And then someone replies, yeah, seriously, cannot happen again. I'm just shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you probably know that, but we were just, we were just exactly. Over. But it's just like, you have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris and I, we're still full-time students, so we, we had a lot of work to do and a lot well, of stuff. Yeah, so we're it was all just full-time. frustrating. And it's yeah, bad. Are, you, are you full-time again? Full full-time, but also working. Also working. Like 20 hours. I mean, I'm the type of person that needs to have my schedule filled because otherwise I'll go crazy. Yeah, that's fair. I think yeah, most so I think a lot of people are like that. It's yeah, stressful. I know you're though. like I know you're like that. And and sometimes it makes our lives better, but it also sometimes makes it 10 times tougher. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, every, every, and okay. So we had matchups for, for this week. I can't remember what the other two matchups were. Uh, it might've um, been, it was like burger and speed. And then like, I, I don't even know, but basically, there, yeah, I, I remember Jordan moved up and, in a weight class and yeah <laughs> i think he uh, moved up in weight class from hunter mayhem to to db straight vibing did we have another hunter mayhem matchup we didn't i don't think oh my god his can we talk about his hater blockers and his mullet dude dude he, he looks like straight up balling out right now he looked like he was at like an 80s frat party yeah <laughs> just like those things were those things were unbelievable i mean like a, i took I took one look at that picture and I was like, this guy fucks like that's, he, that's it looked like it's down to. It looked like an old row advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was sick. <laughs> I was, it was just, I didn't know how to process it. I had to share it with you guys. Is he like the new Anthony Kim in terms no. of like what? outrageous, no, out, no, no. Can outrageous we just, outfits? Like, no, stop. stop. With we need a break belts. We need to break down that. That entire sentence is he the new Anthony Kim? Like, All right, let me clarify here. Not in he looks play like, style. He looks like, like a in guy. Terms of, in terms doing of his, dressing, way over the top. You know, like AK with the the bling belt. Like 
That's something that Mayhem would do. He's doing that with the white belt and the hater blockers. It's the same thing. God, the white belt is there's no more there's no more offensive golf fashion item than the white belt. I kind of think it's a sick play. It's, it's white belt. The only time a white belt's acceptable is with white pants because it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. But with any other pair of pants, it just like it cuts your body in half. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think uh, black belts with white pants look horrible. So you're you're. Oh, I'm not onto a, a tan belt, or like a khaki colored belt, or a, a white belt. Pretty much. I also think. Well, I'm also not a white white pants person. Yeah, white pants are hard. If you're not a PGA Tour player, white pants are really hard to take care of. You need to be. You need to be a scratcher better to wear white pants, and you also sure. need to have a waist that is 33 or smaller. Yep. Accurate. And they can't be baggy white pants. Like they no, have they be, have to be trim. They have to be slim fit for sure. Uh, yeah. But basically back to what I was saying about, <laughs> we, get, we get into the biggest loopholes. I mean, that's what we were going for today. It was, it was an agendaless, agendaless pod, agenda free Sunday. Um, every, Symptom of the, every got last week. Sorry. Every got matched up against John Daly. I put every up against John. Oh, Daly. that's right. And you guys picked every, and I picked daily and I got a lot of shit for it. And obviously this episode didn't air, so I don't really have the evidence for it, but you guys gave me some shit for this. Like you thought Listen, it was disrespectful can... to Matt every. And I said, Matt every, he WDs a lot. And he also shoots 80 a lot. And I said, what am I? All Daly has to do is break 80 two days in a row and he'll probably beat every. And every WD, Daly won the matchup. Was Monday was Monday Q Info's tweet about every last week at the at the Monday qualifier in Scottsdale better than Joel Damon's tweet this week? I forget what uh, the tweet was. Matt Every is withdrawn after two holes. No injury. He's just had enough. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, just, that was well, just such an amazing sentence. And we did talk about this. Is it acceptable to withdraw from a Monday qualifier mid round? If you just know you're not going to make it. I, I know my take on this, you know, because I've been on the end of embarrassing yourself in a tournament setting more than once, like, it sucks. It sucks to, you know, deal through all 18 holes and more often than not, you're waiting most of the time. Like it is, it is like dying the slowest death, but when you sack up and sign the card, like, I think you learn to respect yourself more and also people will come to respect you more. Not, not that I'm saying that you should sign the card because you're going to earn other people's respect or, you know, it's going to boost your reputation, but it's something that you should, you should do because you learn to live with, because it builds up character. You learn to live with the kind of learn to live with the shame. Like it's something that happened, but you know that you had the guts to sign the card and that you can bounce back from that. Yeah. And I think too, that's a good point. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to right the game. The game's a game about integrity. It's a game about like just being a good sport. And also, when you sign up for a Monday qualifier, you're signing up for 18 holes. Like you sign up for the qualifier. You're not signing up for like you know, give it your best shot, and then you can withdraw at any point. And it also, also there's qualifier. logistical. 
there's qualifiers for the Monday qualifiers too. Yeah, and, and there there are qualifiers for Monday qualifiers. Yeah, it's not like anybody un- sub a scratch handicap can go and just sign up for the TP for the uh, waste management Monday qualifiers. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, so that I mean that's unfair to other other people that might want to play, but it's also like it's logistically an issue. If you withdraw, if everyone starts withdrawing, who's going to keep score for like the one guy that's left in the group that has a chance, I know. you know, I like, know. are you going to bring a score or an official out there to keep his score? Like it, it's just logistically an issue. So bad look I'm, on, on Every's part. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Imagine just like you be, imagine if you were playing in a qualifier for any tournament and both your guys just drop out and you're, you have to sign like three cards. You're ripping off, you know, three like bottoms. Mid-round. Yeah. It's such a fucking clusterfuck. You're walking up the fairway, like, you know, thinking about your next shot, but you're ripping off the tabs on your scorecard, signing it. It's it's just and it's you're a writing shit show. And it's like X, 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 X. You might as well be taking notes. Yeah. Oh God. But I think the one reason I say that like you should sign your card is because ultimately, like I think down the line, like not saying on that day, I remember when I shot 100 at um, in my club championship, I think I cried in my car and then smoked a little bit of weed just to get over it. <laughs> like, it's like, I was so depressed. And, but like down, like a year down the line, I'm like, yeah, I'm proud. I signed that card. Like I was absolutely thinking about with WDing. Yeah, but, I mean, at that point, you're thinking about like quitting the game. Like, no, it, like it crosses I'm, your mind for sure. I'm I'm standing in front of the scoreboard thinking about WDing. But here's the thing: you, your other two competitors are going to be having beers with everybody else that's coming to the house, and they're going to say that Mike shot in hundred. But on the scoreboard, it's going to say WD, and you look like a giant fucking. Then cow. you look, you look even worse. Yeah, you look at least, even worse. At least people have respect for you. I think that's that's you know the right way to. The right way to do it. And I'll say it again. You shouldn't sign the card just because people will respect you. That is just a, it's a byproduct of signing the card. No, I think it should be more out of like self, like self-respect, you know, respect Absolutely. for yourself. I think that's more what it comes down to. Cause if you're, if, if you don't sign it, you're lying to yourself, like that you didn't shoot that number. And that's, that's even worse. Like then you're just yeah. in denial. You're not going to get better from that experience. I totally agree. Yeah. I was I was in a similar experience in a junior tournament, and it was out uh, in Western Mass. I shot. I played okay the first day. I shot whatever seventy six. I was like sixteen, so that was like pretty good for me at the time um, at a really hard golf course. And the second, actually, at the end of the first day, I I hit a shank on like seventeen. Like I've been known to get the shanks. I had a shank on seventeen. It rattled me a little bit. I didn't really think much of it. And the next day, I could not stop shanking the ball in the range. Really? And then couldn't stop shanking it on the golf course. Like, shanked probably eight or nine iron shots and wedge shots throughout the course of the day. And I, I my dad was there, like, following me. I was like, I might withdraw. Like, this is embarrassing. And he was like, I don't think you want to do that. That's a bad look. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, who do I like? What do I care? I'm just gonna go out and I'm gonna shoot my 86 or whatever it ends up being, and move on to the next tournament because that's really what it comes down to. Like, you just move on to the next tournament. Yeah, shout out, shout out to keeping 
to keep it in double digits. Yeah, I, I, I really got it in the barn. I actually, I played like the last seven holes even. I was like, That's even sick. the last seven, just trying not to shank it. I was like hitting it off the toe to just try That's a to shank big. It. That's a big bounce back. Yeah, it was a sick bounce back. And I actually drove it great that day too. I think I hit like 12 fairways, which is unheard of for me. I'm laughing in my head because I can picture your dad just like, your dad, like, dad, I'm going to withdraw. And knowing your dad, he's a bit... He's a big virtues guy. He's probably sure. yep. huge big. virtues guy. Not a not a yeller. He wasn't. He was just saying like you know go in there, just play it out. Doesn't matter. And I was like, you he's, know what? You're right. He strikes me as a tough love guy. No, no, he's not at all. He doesn't care actually about how I play and any. He actually does not care about like my golf at all. Like he obviously wants me to play well, but like he really couldn't care less. But he was just like, you know, go like it'll be a good experience for you. Just go out, keep playing. And that's really it's true. Like get as many tournament reps as you can, and that stuff won't happen, you know. Listen, I think your dad's just proud that he's getting 15 shots off his son. <laughs> I'd ca- I'd call it more like 25, but yeah. <laughs> I ever tell you about the ex- did I ever tell you about the experience on the golf course this summer where there was the biggest log jam on the back nine. And we were just looking for the, uh, we were looking for the culprit as to who was, who was causing it. It was your dad. Yeah. He's been known to play, play from other fairways. You know, he, but, he, <laughs> he can slow it up a little bit when he's, he's zigzagging around the golf course, but you know, he's like waving at me. He's like, Hey Mike. And, and you know, I'm like, Hey, Mr. Fitzgerald, but like deep down, I'm just like, speed it up. <laughs> like, yeah. and i love you i love your dad i wasn't gonna say anything to him he, he's just so like he wouldn't even he wouldn't even know you know he's just out there having a good time and spraying it around the property you know zigzagging through fairways but i i feel like golf would be more in a way i feel as though golf would be more fun if you sucked you know what i mean no i don't know what you mean i actually would probably quit golf if i suck no so i'll give you an anecdote so my friend's in high school they used to go to so there's an elementary school on the other side of the train tracks next to the 12th tee at our home course and there's a big field there and they used to go night golfing there they all sucked at golf they just hit (laughs) balls at night and they're like it's like the most fun thing we've ever done mike do you want to come and i'm like yeah sure i'll come i'll come and i'll play night golf but i remember I had no fun because I'm thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, I can't see the flight. Am I hitting it well? Yeah, it yeah, going? yeah. <laughs> like, like they I, I mean, there's definitely not that. There's like, definitely they're happy if they make content. Caring, yeah, yeah. Like, if you, if you suck, you probably don't. If you suck, you might not care. But there are a lot of people that suck and they do care. And in that case, why are you out there? Because there's there's no hope. If you if you care <laughs> and you suck, you probably have no hope. But like, imagine like. If your benchmark is making contact or hit, getting it up in the air, and when it happens, it probably feels like the biggest high on planet Earth. Yeah, and I mean, there is something. There's something to be said about like the simplicity of of playing golf as a, as a true beginner. You get excited over like the the most basic things. Like when I play golf with my friends that don't play golf, you know, just getting it airborne, like you said, huge deal. Like. That's that's sick for them, and it makes them. They're so happy. It's like uh, you see that a lot in uh, high school tryouts. 
Yeah. <laughs> high school try shout out to high school tryouts, dude. High school golf tryouts are a shit show. And I bet Absolute, a lot of people know know what we're talking about that have played. Absolute clusterfuck. Got a picture today that uh my old high school coach is now is now selling uh, fixed mortgages, which is sick. That's yeah, that's a sick turnaround. Is that good for <laughs> I, him? I thought he and for a second I thought he was selling um those reverse mortgages that are essentially like a big scam, and I'm like I just lose all my respect for my coach. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's fixed mortgages. You know, you got, you got a little respect for him. Yeah. Uh, his deal, his company looks a little sketchy, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to raise any eyebrows or alert. Don't the a lot of them though. A lot of them do. I mean, real estate's a, real estate's a strange business. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Chris for getting deep into the real estate game. Big real estate guy. Huge real estate guy. <laughs> All right. I mean, Mike, I don't really have much else to say. Riviera next week. Rib's going to be fun. Rib's Rib a fun tournament. Fun. Golf golf is back when, when we're at Rib. I mean, it's already back now, but it's back when we're at Rib. The LA Invitational because the LA opens no more. Yeah. It's Tiger's event. It'll be interesting to see if Tiger makes a uh, appearance. I mean, obviously he's not going to play, but. I mean, can we talk about Tiger basically showing up in gym clothes at the Super Bowl? He was at the Super Bowl? Yeah. He was Did he have his back I, surgery yet? Yeah, he had it. He had it a couple of weeks ago. Okay. But I mean, he showed up essentially like he just got out of the gym. And that's kind of been Tiger's MO for the past that's, three years. I mean, there's no more classic Tiger thing than that. That's like peak 2014 Tiger or 2013. He would Tiger. show. He would show up in a Nike dry fit outfit to his second wedding. Yeah, for sure. I think that's like, totally fair. I mean, he's, think, he's, he's repping his sponsors. He's a big sponsors <laughs> guy. You think his wedding would be sponsored by mock turtlenecks, monster energy. What else I can't imagine him now? in a suit. Really? Even though I've oh. seen it before, I've seen him like president's cup and whatever, but he's definitely like a mock turtleneck guy. You know, he's, he's one of the worst dressers on planet Earth. Him and yeah. Jordan, like they're the two greatest to have ever done it, but they're both atrocious dressers. They wear those terrible like window curtain jeans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you can do that when you're the best at whatever you've played, you know? Doesn't mean we can't make fun of him. For sure. Uh, there Was there anything else that happened this week? I feel like, I feel like we covered everything. Oh, we, we've covered a lot of stuff here. We've covered more than just this week. All right. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah. That was, you know, good open discussion. I love Agenda Free Sunday. Agenda Free yeah, Sunday. Agenda, agenda Free Sunday is my, maybe what this is going to be from now on. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and minus Chris, too. Maybe it'll just be minus Chris from now on. Yeah. Uh, Shout out Chris, enemy of the pod. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hit a chili dip. It was off the it was off the hosel. I mean Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any now, takes on the e-golf pro tour? You already have iron <laughs> covers. You already look like a giant <laughs> pussy. I don't care. I honestly don't give a struck- shit. <laughs> he could be six feet under at this point, whoever Jesus. WD. I didn't watch a single <clears throat> bit of it, but I'm gonna chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Yeah, Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend so- of the pod, Aunt Betsy. Terrell Haddon, are you kidding me? And there's a raccoon 
no joke, like 20 feet away. Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. Florida. No! You can't yeah. say Florida!